I think the Lord has given me a message for you all. Turn to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. I'm going to look at verses 11 through 15. This is kind of coming in the middle of this story that you'll all remember and you'll all uh, understand. This is Paul's journey. It started when he got, you know, when he, he said, you know, change. He knew that he didn't know what, he didn't know what was ahead of him. He just, the Holy Spirit told him that there was going to be change and he was bondage and he was going to be held captive. And that started in Jerusalem. And now he's working his way to Rome because you remember he, uh, he appealed to Caesar because, you know, and thought perhaps his life may have ended there in Jerusalem. He says, no, I'm, I'm a Roman citizen. I appeal to Caesar. And I go, okay, you're going to, go to, you're going to go to Caesar. You're going to go see him. The only problem is Caesar, at this time in the history of, this, of the New Testament, the ruler was one called Nero. And if you know anything about church history, he loved to kill Christians. He hated Christians. So that, keep it in your mind, that's where Paul is heading. Doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know the future. We don't know the future. Keep that in mind. Let's just start in verse 11 in uh, Acts chapter 28, and we'll get to and stop at verse 15. And after three months, we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isles, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. And landing in Syracuse, we tarried there three days, and from thence we fetched a compass and came to Rhegium. And after one day, the south wind blew, and we came the next day to Petolia, where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days. And so we went to, to, uh, forward to Rome, towards Rome. And look at verse 15. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, that's the brethren at Rome, they came to meet us as far as Apiforum and the three taverns. And historically, these, they're different names, but historically, as in 2024, these places are still there. It's a spot in the road. These two places, the three taverns and Apiforum. Whom? Whom what? The brethren, who Paul's talking about. Whom, when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. That's all I want to deal with this morning. Thanking God for the brethren and we'll see a little bit more specifically what that entails. And taking courage, that's active faith. That's confidence. So, these two graces, thanking God and taking courage, these two graces not only are they admirable, but they most certainly adorn or recommend each other in every child of God. 
And we were back here in the men's meeting and I heard the word thanking God, which really my ears perked up. I like to hear that because we don't thank them enough. We, in this country, who we who have more than enough, we don't thank them enough. And we seem to take courage in our pocketbook or we seem to take courage in our homes or we seem to take courage in our friends or our neighbors or we don't take courage because of the brethren we don't seem to take courage because we know God's on the throne and he is I heard that this morning in the Bible class and I ask myself and I ask us here when are we without cause to show forth thankfulness and hope throughout our daily lives? I was going to college. I can't even remember the man's name. He went to the church that I went to when I, the Lord began to, I began introduced to the gospel because I was raised Methodist and there was nothing there. This man, every time I'd see him on campus, he was going to be a doctor. I think he is a doctor now. We do. He said, "Well, let's just stop and thank God all the time." And it aggravated me. It aggravated me. Can't can't you know? Can't we go forth? Well, the Scripture says we ought to say in James, "If the Lord wills, we're going to do this, such and such." But we just run ahead like He owes us something. No, we know of all people. That God, we do, we deserve, do not deserve the least of His mercies. So, as we looked here in Acts twenty-eight, and we're seeing His journey, and it's 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 detailed pretty clearly. It's detailed very clearly. He's on his way to Rome, Paul, and it's been full of difficulties, shipwreck, and one thing is get bit by a snake, and uh, in a small island with natives and. Afflictions and harsh trials. That sounds like the life of a believer. Doesn't it? That sounds like the life of a believer. Maybe not to this extreme. Old Scott Richardson used to say this. There's three phases in a believer's life. Just three. You're either heading in the trial. Or you're in trial. Or you're heading out of it. And the older you get. I know if you're younger here. And you, you got the world by the tail. And you, you know... But when you start to get a little older, even if you don't have aches and pains, you understand we're, we're more dependent. We know we raise our children, and I, I got to thinking about this, having a, a grandchild. We raise them to be independent. That is so contrary to the Scripture. We are dependent. We, we are dependent upon God and His grace every day. Every day. But now we raise our kids... You know, do this and that, and I understand it. It's a little different, but to the believer, <laughs> no, we are dependent. And the older you get, the more you, you depend upon His grace. Well, as I said, Paul appealed to Caesar, and now he's going to go. He's going to go to Rome. I'd like to just look at the particular language. I love the language of Scripture. All Scripture is given by God and is you know inspired of God. So I'm not going to go into that. I just know it's true. It's in the Word. It's true. And from thence, when they, when the brethren 
heard of us. They came to meet us as far as Appy Forum and the three taverns. Now, you can look it up, and, and you know you can look in your maps in the back of your Bible. Appy Forum is about 51 miles from Rome. So they traveled, and they didn't have cars. They traveled 51 miles to meet up with one of like mind. And then there's three taverns. This is probably 20, 23 or 24 miles. They, they walked or they rode or they whatever, however they got there. Whom? Brethren of like mind. Brethren of like mind. When he saw them, them, he gave thanks and he took courage. I have a side note here for all of us here this morning because I'm not preaching it. The Lord's got somebody covering at my place. I'm not preaching, you know, I'm preaching here. So this is from me, and this is this crawled on me. It stepped on my toes. Not trying to uh, read your mail or any of that kind of stuff, but we need to we need to learn some things. I have a side note here, and I ask myself, and I ask you: Is any distance too far to go to gather together with God's dear saints? Excuses abound. Is any distance. They walked or rode a camel or whatever. They don't have the transportation we have. But when Paul saw them and he saw them and they saw him, one whom they highly esteemed, is any too distance, too any distance too great to gather together with God's saints? I asked for myself and I asked for my the brethren at Jackson, Missouri. As, as their under-shepherd, as those responsible in a sense for them, that the Lord would give us a hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's part of the problem is we're just not hungry. We come, you know, we, we come here Sunday after Sunday and, and, and things get stalled, they get, they get uh, stale, they get dull. And, and to be honest with you, uh, those folks have been listening, they've been putting up with me for 35 years. And you, know, you, somebody said they listened to a message. Out of all the people on Free Grace Radio, of all the Sovereign Grace preachers on Sermon Audio, why would you want to listen to me? I do believe I preach the truth, but I'm not eloquent. I'm not all these different things. And so it's, it's a give and take. It's a give and take, the pastor and the people. So I pray that the Lord would give us a hunger and thirst to sit aside one another and be, give thanks Specifically for one another, for for uh, Bible Baptist, this church here, this church here. If we say we love His presence. We know in the Scriptures that where two or three are gathered in His name, He will be in the midst of them. Matthew eighteen twenty. This is what I want to explore: just these two topics, giving thanks and taking courage. To expand the Greek, that would be uh, giving thanks or a spirit or attitude of gratitude, thankfulness and indebtedness, and taking courage, and encouragement to faith in our taking courage. Come what may, we'll trust in Him, for He knows, our Lord knows what's best for us, and He can do no wrong. So we ought to, be able to, we ought to take uh, courage as Paul did. He didn't know what the next day, he didn't know what the next day or the next day he may not even make it to Rome. 
Turn with me to Romans. Just look across the page. Romans chapter 1. Listen to what... This, is, this was written before what's going on here at Acts. Paul's writing to the Romans, to the church at Rome, starting in, uh, starting in verse 9. I'm sorry, we'll start in verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. He saw the brethren. Now, they weren't all there, I'm sure, just some, a representative of some. But they traveled so far to visit with him. And this is what he said before this all took place. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Well, the Lord's fulfilling that. If he doesn't make it to Rome, at least he's seen some of them. This is, this is, he wrote this before. For I long, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. That is, that I may uh, be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. See, it's not just a one man standing up here and spewing a bunch of facts or whatever. It's not just the pastor. It's a church. is, is, is group. We all have different gifts, but we're all essential. In the eyes of Christ, in the eyes of God, He paid for us. He's, he bought us. We're not our own. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come to you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, what? In the gospel, the gospel of Christ, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Take courage. Live by faith. So what I am saying is this. The root of our fellowship here and in Jackson, wherever the Lord's, God, wherever the Lord's preaching the gospel, wherever his church is located, the root and substance of Paul's thankfulness and taking courage is God in Christ and through the gospel of his sovereign grace. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. For my God is witness in the gospel. Why you know, well, you all that's all you talk about is the gospel of this and the gospel of that. Why? Because <laughs> you need it and I need it. That's why it's important. That's and that was one thing I will speak of personal experience. That over 30 or 40 years ago, one thing I noticed about H.T. Mahan, Henry Mahan, and then basically all the, the preachers that associated with them, they did not deviate into eschatology. And they did not deviate into uh, issues of abortion. These things are, are not unimportant. 
but it should never take the place of the gospel, of the grace of God. Why? Because take any, any subject you want to take. Marriage, husbands love your wives, wives, how's that, how do you do that? As Christ, look at him as he loved the church. How do you give? It's a grace. Grace is a giving. It comes from God. Everything goes back, as like Paul's saying, as he's writing these, these brethren, verses 9, verse uh, 12. That is, that I might become uh, comforted together with you by the mutual faith. And faith is the gift of God. How's that come? Through the hearing and believing and understanding the gospel. Verse uh, uh, 15. In so much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel. Well, why not visit with, and we'll get a little bit back to this when we get back to our text. Why not, when they gathered together, did they not talk about the weather? Or did they not talk about uh, the sporting events that were going on in Rome? Or did they talk about how Nero uh, was taxation? These things are important in their context. I'm not saying, you know, we've got to be stoic and every time we see somebody. But I'm saying this. Every time we gather together, our theme is Christ and Him crucified. Matter of fact, Paul said, I'm determined not to know anything among you. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. It seems pretty clear to me. Except Christ and Him crucified. Amen. We can never learn too much about Christ. We can never. Uh, one of the old writers said, you know, talked about his attributes, calls them his divine perfections. You can never learn too much about God in Christ, because we can't approach God unless we're in Christ. Well, look at verse sixteen. For I am not ashamed of what. You all, no, or, or, the, or God, no. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why is that so important? It is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and to the Greeks. Well, the Lord saved me 20 years ago. What do I, no. You keep, you keep, because we sing that song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. That's why we're looking at when the brethren got together, they gave thanks. They gave thanks. So, He is our all in all. It says, here, we're here based, basically upholding, or however you want to phrase it, Amos 3.3. 3. Two, can, can two, two cannot walk together unless they be agreed. And unless you agree that God is totally sovereign... He does the dictates of his will. No man can turn his hand or change. They can't, they can't say to him, what are you doing? Unless you understand that. Unless you understand you and me are born in sin and have no way to God except for Christ. That's the gospel. Uh, the old, old writers used to, the three R's, ruined by the fall, redemption by the blood, and regeneration by Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, Paul says that to preach the same thing to you is needful. It's needful. It's needful. There's the truth is no afterthought to us. The truth is not a side issue, and it's certainly not a minor discussion. Everything Paul is giving thanks to, and in in uh, in our text, and um, 
giving thanks and taking courage centers around his relationship to God and his gospel. And we're included. Everybody here is included. He is our all in all, and we must hear of him. And this attitude of gratitude, thanksgiving, is all centered around him with whom we live and move and have our being, Acts chapter 17. So give thanks. How blessed it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the ointment. That, and it is. I, I, tell, I tell our folks, and, and I know it from fact, there's two troubles that are very difficult for anybody to concentrate through or to work through. And that's marital troubles. If you're trouble with your spouse, it's pretty hard to concentrate. And there's no trouble like church trouble. So let us lay aside our pride. Let us lay aside our, we think we know this and we think we know that. And let's just be a sponge. Let's just give thanks. When Paul saw them, whom? When Paul saw whom? For one another. For helping one another in times of need. The scripture talks about iron sharpening iron. Proverbs 27 that's what we're talking about. This very place has been here, and, and I'm not saying it's rare, but two generations, a lot of times the third one is, just falls apart. You can see it in history. You can see it in this country. You, can, you had a man, Maurice Montgomery, that faithfully preached the gospel. Was despised because he did. Was laughed at. Was mocked at. And now... You have another man who preaches the same message. The same message. Let us give thanks for whom Paul saw. Whom? He saw. Let's give thanks for, for, for the very brethren who show up. The very place we gather together. We bless him for his sustaining grace that he's brought us through so many trials. And now he realizes his letter that he wrote before to the Romans... His labor was not in vain. Well, he knew that because he said that to the Corinthians. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Can you imagine? You've heard about, I hear something's going on. And historically, I've been reading on this, and it was probably that Roman, the Roman church was probably started by somebody at Pentecost because there was, there was all the nations, kindreds, and tribes, they were there. And then the gospel went out, and the Lord saved his people, and they went back to, and a lot of, there were some people there from Rome. So Paul, he didn't, have, but he heard about them, and he wrote to them, and now he sees them. How wonderful, how glorious is that? And we know always that the word will have success, will not come back void, says Isaiah 55, 11. Surely there's more elect in this town, in this county, as there is in Jackson. And we're a small church, but we're there for a reason. And if we believe in God's absolute sovereignty, we sing that song that we are immortal here, immortal here until our work is done. That's right. That's exactly right. He has you here to say something to somebody or to invite them or to bring them or to tell them the good news. Just like that servant of uh, Isaac. He wasn't, he's, you know, when, he went, when we met Rebecca, and then he... Come and eat with us. He says, I'm not going to eat anything until I tell you what i got to tell you. And who did he talk about? Isaac. 
That's a picture of Christ. That's a picture of Christ. Oh, we are such undeserving worms, such lowly uh, wretches of the dust, yet in and by and through Christ, He has taken notice of us. Let us commune together. Whom, whom, whom? We, you, me, together, lifting up our voices in glorious admonition to the God of all grace. Let us not play church. Let us not be unaffected by the words and the hymns and the prayers that we hear concerning the truth. But let us mimic Paul. I can only place my mind and my thought on a journey. And he knows, he knows how far he's got to go, I'm sure, and how long it's going to take. And he looks up. And there's brethren. He's not the same as fellowshipping with that centurion that he's chained to. He doesn't know anything about the gospel. I'm sure he heard about it. But the brethren, the brethren of the grace of God, someone I can talk to, someone I can fellowship with. Let us mimic Paul. Every time we see the brethren, thank God for keeping you all and us together and worshiping the Lord of glory. We are indebted. Are we not? We are indebted. I found, oh boy. Ah, thought I lost it. I found this hymn. I've loved this hymn for years by Robert Murray McShane. What a hymn. Listen to it. We're indebted to God's grace and give thanks for one another. When this passing world is done, when has sunk yon radiant sun? When we stand with Christ on high, looking o'er life's history, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. When I hear the wicked call on the rocks and hills to fall, when I see them start and shrink on the fiery deluge brink, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. When I stand before the throne, Dressed in beauty, not my own. When I see thee as thou art, love thee with unsinning heart. Then, Lord, shall I fully know, but not till then, how much I owe. When the praise of heaven I hear, loud as thunders to the ear, loud as many waters noise, sweet as harps melodious voice. Then, Lord, shall I fully know, but not till then, how much I owe. Chosen, not for good in me. Wakened up from wrath to flee, hidden by the Savior's side, by the Spirit sanctified. Teach me, Lord, on earth to show by my love how much I owe. Can we not do that together? Can we not? You know, if it's, and I think about this occasionally. The last elect, you ever think about this? He says he's when, when the, everything's going to go on like it has until that last chosen, that last sinner's brought in. Maybe the last elect is in Morton's Gap. Maybe the last elect is in Madison. Maybe he's in Jackson. So what is our responsibility? Just keep telling. Just keep inviting. But let us, when we see the brethren.
And I, I struggle with this too. I get aggravated at my folks, and I'm sure David does you, and you do, you know, I'm sure that's, that's this human nature. We confess it, forsake it, and walk with Him. The second point, let us give thanks, but let's take courage. Let us walk in faith. Walk by faith. Take the confidence, not in ourselves, not in our abilities, but in God, in His grace, in Christ, and realize His providence is for us. Paul, he didn't know what was, he was, going, what was ahead of him. He only knew that chains and, 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 and being bound in Acts chapter 20 accompanied him. Again, he was on his way to, in Jerusalem and then got captured, and now he's on his way to Rome. Do we know that? Yes, we know that. If we know the gospel, if we know God is sovereign, if we know we're without him, we can do nothing. And it's only by his blood and righteousness that we stand and can stand. We know these things. Therefore, he will not leave you and he will not forsake you. Take courage. I cannot imagine Paul walking and seeing those brethren, knowing how far they came. Oh, thank you, Father. And then he took courage. He took, that's, what, that's what we do. We get, that's part of worship. We gather together. Like I said, it's not a one man. You all are praying for, for me. You're praying for your pastor where he's at and that he preaches the gospel and other churches in this, in this world. What's going on? And we, we, we are thankful for that. Let us take courage. That's part of worship is encouraging one another. We're all not at the same place. We all have differing gifts and we all need one another. Take courage, brethren, together, one with another. And God is our helper. We don't know what 2024 may bring or beyond, but we know who has it in his hands. And it's for our good and ultimately for his glory. And I'm saying, like I say, when, those, when, they, when they got together, they probably talked about some of the things that's common during that day. But Paul's like, I, you know, that's, that's right. You know, I, I just came from here and, and, this, and these things happened to me. But I imagine they dwelt on the gospel of God's grace and they encouraged one another. And, and, not, and I know the Super Bowl's this, today. I don't care. I don't care. This is what I care about. And God and his gospel and the grace of God. And hearing how are you doing in that, that grace, in that gospel. May we take courage. May we take courage indeed. And I will say this as another side note about your pastor. I know David. He's just like me. He's a sinner. And he needs encouragement. And he needs for you to give thanks. I'm not saying you don't, you don't do that, but be a help to your pastor in this regard. Encourage him in the faith. As we are sinners just as much in need of spiritual conversations as anybody else. Matter of fact, I agree with Tim James on this, and I know Tim James got in trouble preaching at a conference for saying this, but I totally agree with him. And sometimes us pastors, get it, we get it turned around. If it wasn't for you, there'd be no need for me. If there was no sheep, there'd be no need for an under-shepherd. And us under-shepherds, we'd get up here, 
boy, look at me. I'm serious. I'm not saying your pastor is this way. I'm saying encourage your pastor. I know I get this way. Look at me. Look at what I've done. (laughs) And then the Lord will bring us an older lady and say, you're the man. Oh, just crush me or my wife will help me in that, keep me down, keep me low. May we be able to, may we march forward like Paul. March forward to Zion. May we take courage, walk by faith, exhorting one another while it is called today. Hearing the word, reading his word, singing of his hymns, knowing all while that he upholds all things by the word of his power. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. We need not fear tomorrow, for he has tomorrow under control. Take courage. He has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And all I'll say about this, the political situation in this country is it's a mess. And you know that. You know that. We ought to be, in Philippians, think on these things. Lovely, pure, that which is honorable, to exhorting one to another. I just have opinions about what's going to happen to this country and what's going on. I have opinions. It doesn't matter. This is unalterable truth. Like Luther said, here I stand, I can do no other. And may we encourage one another. And may we be thankful one for another, one to another. We may encounter harsh days ahead. We, uh, we're not promised ease in this life. We may succumb to illness, to hurt, loss of loved ones, or loss of our own life. But if we are redeemed, and we have tasted that He is gracious, and kind, and full of compassion, I can, I can be bold. I can walk in faith, as He has me to, and it, it'll be okay. He has not left nor lost one single sheep. Hasn't done it. It cannot be, for He is the great, grand, and sovereign and supreme shepherd that loves His sheep. He loves His sheep. So much so, now we're talking about the gospel again, that He sent His Son to suffer, to bleed, and die voluntarily, no man took it, he laid down his life. There's something, there's something amazing about the scriptural teaching of the voluntary, voluntary sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't volunteer for much. As a matter of fact, Linda and I, we've talked about doing some stuff. It's like, I'm, if I'm not going to get paid, I'm not going to do anything. He volunteered. He laid down his life for his people. And not only that, but he rose back up again. He who speaks and it's accomplished, he who moves and the world trembles. You want to know how sovereign our God is? Take a look at Proverbs 16.33, not now, but when you get home. It says, the lot, dice in our terms, is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing 
that word disposing, look that up. You don't need to look, you know what it means. But the whole disposing is of the Lord. Now, if he is that minutely concerned with things upon the earth, like our Lord said in the Gospels, if he, Solomon was not arrayed in, in all the, like the beauty of the lilies of the field, and the fathers cares for them, how much more does he care for you and I, for whom he voluntarily laid down his life? Nothing, Jeremiah 32 says, nothing is too hard for him. Our problem is we don't go to him enough. Well, that's not that. I don't want to bother him. Well, that's just opposite of the scriptures. Remember that one lady kept knocking on that door, just kept and kept knocking. She kept opportun- she just kept, kept, and kept until the man got up and and our father's not as harsh as that man. Our father loves to hear from his people. So I close with this, brethren. Anyway, any, anywhere you look, whether you look at the past, what God has done for you, whether this very day what God is doing for you, or you look in the future, give thanks and take courage, for He cares for you. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't, have, you don't know what I'm talking about, if this is all... This is just all not certain to you. Come unto Him. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a sinner like the rest of us. Come unto Him. And He'll give you rest. If you cry for mercy, I agree with the old writers. If you cry for mercy, God always hears the cry for mercy. Why? Because He's put that cry in your heart. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, your mind's a hundred miles away. Remember this, when Paul was in dire situation and didn't know from day to day whether he was going to live or not, when he saw the brethren, those of like mind, like faith, he thanked God for them. Why? Because the gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, faith in Him, and he took courage. You know, it's, it's like Daniel. I'll see you. I'll see you at the end. It's like those three in the fiery furnace. I'll see you at the end of this. Oh, you don't know that. Yeah, I do. God, our God's able. He's able. He's, isn't he different? One of the most beautiful attributes of God that I think, you look at uh, Stephen Sharnock and you look at uh, Arthur Pink, is his immutability. The fact that he doesn't change. Now, we change all the time. He does not change. If He's loved you, He will love you with an everlasting love. Your only hope is in Him. Your only hope is in Him. My only hope is in Him. May you and may we be found in Him. And then, there's a whole... It's going to, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but it's going to be glorious because He's on our side. Thank you.